Welcome to What CEOs Talk About. Do you wonder what CEOs talk about behind closed doors? How they bring their vision to reality? How do they overcome and succeed through adversity? We share that and so much more with each episode. Now, let's get started with the show. Hello, everybody. My name is Martin Hunter. I am the host of What CEOs Talk About, where we translate vision into frontline operations. The shout-out for this episode goes to Greg Moser, who introduced Kevin and I, and that we're going to talk about the beach. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of different things. Kevin, thank you for, very much for being on the show. That was hard to say. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Kevin, now we struggle in the pre-show. Kevin and I were trying to kind of put this this together and it's going to be a good one so so kevin what is the title of this episode yeah so we came up with the title picking your next wave which we thought was very uh, applicable to what we're going to talk about here yeah absolutely so kevin for the sake of the audience we like the guest to really kind of describe who they are can you go back in time how where are you born where are you raised and kind of tell us the kevin story to where you are now because it gives the listeners and the watchers the opportunity to really sink in and attach the story that you're going to tell with with a bit of context and history of course yeah so i was uh, actually born in the washington dc area so uh you know i don't tell many people this but i was born three hours from the nearest beach uh definitely not a lot of oceans in dc <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the shores of Maryland and Delaware actually uh, do have uh, have oceans and, you know, they get some waves every now and then. Uh, so, so, yeah, grew, grew up in D.C. Uh, I fell in love with surfing at the age of nine. So that's when I caught the surf bug. And that's something that's resonated with me uh, the rest of my life and kind of led me uh, to where I am today. Uh, you know, my uh, dad was very entrepreneurial. Uh, he I uh, had two businesses and growing up uh, from a young age, I, I worked at one of his businesses. So kind of, you know, started, I guess, uh, soaking up the entrepreneurial spirit from an early age. But, you know, naturally mm -hmm. becoming, a, you know, falling in love with surfing, I started looking to uh, the West Coast to where I would go for my next move. Mm -hmm. So I think for maybe I was, when I was around 12 years old, I took my first trip to California and decided, uh, all right, once I graduate high school, I'm, I'm heading west. Uh, and that's what I did. I ended up uh, going to uh, University of Southern California for college. Uh, so I lived in L.A. for a while. And then uh, I migrated to a town called Manhattan Beach, where I started this company and, uh, and then uh, headed further south, where uh, I now live in San Diego. And before that, I did a little stint out in Hawaii as well. So I've been, uh, been able to go to some, some great areas, and entrepreneurship's been uh, a pivotal part of my journey uh, since a, a very early age when I started my first company. Why surfing? What, what, what from surfing hooked you so much at the young age of nine? Good question. You know, some people catch the surf bug and, and some don't. Uh, when I think for me, it was with my family, we would spend our summers down in Florida uh, where my grandparents mm. lived. And from, I think, you know, age two, uh, there was a, I would see these surfers out in the water. There was a good surf spot out front of where my grandparents lived. So I was, uh, you know, from very, very early age, I would see these surfers and I was always mesmerized by the ocean and by them. And I started, you know, boogie boarding and you know eventually uh decided like okay i want to get off my stomach and, and stand up so i took a surf lesson and 
just, you know, I, I caught the bug. And like I said, you know, some, some people do and some people don't, but since, since then I was hooked and, you know, for me, it's been, being around the ocean and the lifestyle is, uh, it's very calming. It's, a you know, escape from the hustle and bustle of life, but it's also, you know, it's active and it's healthy, which is a really important part of my lifestyle. And, uh, the people in the community are great. Everyone is, uh, happy and they're, you know, they have, uh, you know, they spread good vibes and that's something that, uh, was important to me. You know, when I'm around, it allows me to be creative. Uh, it also, kind of allows me to focus more by uh, giving me a way to detach uh, from, you know, the hustle and bustle of everyday life and business. Uh, and, you know, that's something that was instrumental in uh, the mission of our business was that being able to spread those good vibes and kind of connect people with those lifestyles that, you know, whether it be surfing or something else, those lifestyles that um, allow them to, you know, detach from their everyday life and just allow them to enjoy uh, the little moments. So what I, I like the word detach, you know, for us non-surfers, you look at people that like surfing, enjoy surfing, live by surfing. I'll use your word, architect their lives around <laughs> surfing. <laughs> what is so you said detach, but what is the one word that pushes people to detach themselves to go surfing? What is so addictive in in surfing? Uh, it would just be uh, the feeling, you know, that that feeling that you get when you're just either out in the water, when you're, especially when you're, you're riding a wave. But it's, you know, when you're, you're, we're out of our element, you know, we're in mother nature's element. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. humans aren't necessarily number one there. So you're, it's a different feeling being out in the ocean. And, uh, you know, whether you're especially obviously riding waves, but everything from paddling, from floating around, from seeing dolphins and fish and the birds and just soaking up the sunshine, the vitamin D obviously is very good for you. So, uh, you know, the one word around would be, you know, the feeling. It's funny because I grew up on the East Coast as well. So I was born and mm-hmm. raised in, in Nova Scotia and I grew up okay. on a fishing charter. Right. So on a trawler, you, you, you trawl for fish. And for me, ocean means a lot of work. I love mm-hmm. the ocean. I, I, <laughs> I'm attached to it. I love to be around it. I push my kids to do as much stuff in, in the water. But I associate for me, ocean means enjoyment, but hard work and labor. Right. It's is where when you go out and you work kind of like a farmer, you, you see the results of your hard work by bringing in a good catch, good days or bad mm-hmm. days. So I can associate that. Having spent a lot of time in the South Pacific as well, I've mm-hmm. taken the time to go snorkeling and, and I was in the military, did combat driving, diving, so I know how to dive. But it's funny how I've never been able to mimic, I, and I know plenty of surfers, but I don't, I don't necessarily have that same, oh, the wave is there. I got to drop mm-hmm. everything that I'm doing. <laughs> to go catch the wave at 506 because the tide's going to be perfect (laughs) it's just the i think i i want to bring it to the title because it seems that everything revolves around that one moment that i've not it's it's hard for you to explain and it's hard for us to pinpoint but uh anyway so let's get back to the title of the show why did you why did we pick the title of the show and what does it mean for you and for the listeners yeah. So for, you know, picking your next wave and you kind of touched upon this, it might not even be surfing for everybody. It's that next moment 
that next opportunity. Uh, and there's lots of them out there that, you know, come our way every day, every year. And uh, it's being selective and understanding what you want and picking that right way for that right opportunity. And, and if you're an entrepreneur, you know, turning that into a business that, you know, fuels your life, but also your passion. And that's, that's why I chose that. So I think it is, you know, outside of just surfing, picking that next yeah, yeah. is applicable to everybody. And so you use the word architecting or architecting. Yeah. Uh, the, the verb above that I borrowed from you. So <laughs> what, why, why that, why is it, what triggered that thought process? When I ask you, Hey, what do you want to talk about? Why is it so fresh in your mind? Yeah. You know, it's just when I go back to think about my entrepreneurial journey, it's been filled uh, with multiple evolutions, uh, lots of ups and downs, just, just like everybody's entrepreneurship is a mm -hmm. roller coaster indeed. Uh, and, you know, for me, uh, you know, I'd gone through uh, a number of uh, challenges and I had to decide what my next wave was going to be. Was I still going to be an entrepreneur or was I going to go mm. a different route? And, you know, I selected my, my next wave, which is building my current business, Beachley Brands. And I did it around a passion of mine. And, you know, I, I chose the right way. It's something that's uh, really uh, been a, a great journey uh, over the last, uh, well, uh, seven years now. So um, that's kind of where that, I guess it comes to mind. It's part of my journey. So what pushed, what pushed phase two? So you had a different company, a different organization before. What, what pushed you into thinking about the next move? So I started my first company in college. I've been a, a serial entrepreneur uh, and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I've never I've really worked at a job for anybody else uh, besides some consulting <laughs> jobs here and there. Uh, and, you know, I, I hit a tough streak in my mid 20s where I uh, had a venture I was part of, um, you know, crumble due to a, uh, a, a co-founder of the company that was... Um, you know, doing some, uh, I guess who was, who was, uh, very dishonest and really, mm. you know, hurt and ruined that venture. And I went on to start another one and, you know, I had some luck come my way, was able to, to raise a good seed round for that company and really, you know, get off to a great start, you know, thought I was back on track and, you know, some things just didn't go our way and didn't pan out. Obviously we, we made some mistakes and, uh, that company after, you know, a few years, um, uh, uh, ended up going under. So just, you know, two, two, um, opportunities that I thought were really going to pan out, um, both failed. And it was just a really, it was a really tough experience to have that happen back to back. And, you know, I had to take a step back and that's when I was deciding, uh, uh, you know, was I going to continue being an entrepreneur and start a new venture again, or, or was I, you know, going to try my hand at something else? And, you know, I decided, you know, let's uh, let's build a business, or let's look for businesses that I can build around my passions and other people's passions. And you know, at the very least, it's going to take me in a direction you know that I love, that I'm excited about, and I would get to work to get to work with people uh, that share the same uh, values as myself. And mm -hmm. I decided to to give it another shot uh, and came up for the idea for this business. So essentially, that was the wave I ended up taking and, and that's what, you know, has put me on that, the journey from where we are today. So when you say architecting, it's not just about, you know, building something around your passion. What were some other criterias? 
that were critical for you? I don't know if you have a partner, if you have kids, you have a dog, a cat, a rat. <laughs> like what was <laughs> I'm sure that you're you're a multifaceted individual. Um I'm sure that there's plenty of other things that you took in consideration. What were some of them and what were kind of the past fails as you were kind of architecting this this lifestyle business? Sure. For me, it was really about people. You know, life is short and working with people that you enjoy to be around and as I mentioned earlier that share uh, the same values as you is really mm -hmm. important and it makes entrepreneurship a lot more enjoyable and you know in a, a previous venture I was in a, a market that just wasn't you know really I, I didn't share the values of, of a lot of the people that we were dealing with both you know as a company mm -hmm. and and outside of our company with potential clients uh, you know it's more entertainment industry and there are just things in that industry that that didn't really align uh, well with me uh, and who I am and who I wanted to be. So people, you know, is extremely important. And that's, uh, you know, I, I started this company. I have a co-founder uh, from Hawaii named Mark Healy. He's a professional big wave surfer. Uh, so he's, you know, a great person to align with, someone I look up to uh, with many, you know, parts of his life and someone, you know, so I, someone that I can learn from and has a completely different skill set uh, as mm -hmm. I do. Uh, and, Uh, you know, and then again, just the, the clients we work with, the brand, you know, the brands, our members, uh, you know, everyone's just, you know, we, we share a lot of the values and that makes it a lot more enjoyable, uh, you know, when you're going to be putting in the level of work that you need to do. Uh, so, you know, people was, was a huge driver. And then the next one was lifestyle, uh, you know, being able to build a business for me, location was big, uh, you know, so in an area okay. that resonates with the brand that uh that we've built mm -hmm. uh, and are continuing to build uh and uh also allows me to live you know a lifestyle that uh, is more conducive uh to um you know the hard work i'm putting in and there's little things like proximity to the office you know my house is one mile from the office and the office and the house are less than one mile to the beach uh so you know it allows <laughs> me to work hard but be able to still participate in the activities, uh, you know, that I love. There's, there's so many things to unpack there. We've, we've captured this in a couple of, but we've never put a full episodes on values, right? So knowing what you know now in your first or second, when you first met with your, the, the guy or the girl, the partner that kind of was not necessarily honest and, You know, you think about it now, you go, ah, oh, knowing what I know now, I would have been a lot more diligent. And I think there's too many entrepreneurs that forget that when you, because they're quick starts, right? Entrepreneur, mm -hmm. the French word entreprendre is to take on, right? And we're so mm -hmm. quick at taking on that we forget that there's certain qualifiers. And that's the one thing that when we're talking to uh, business people that are in a, in the second mode, right? So we deal with a lot of organizations that have reached a level of success and mm -hmm. they don't know, and, and this is very true for them, they don't know what to do to catch the next wave. And some of them just go, hey, like, I want to do this, I want to do that. There's so many criteria before you jump into the next journey. What I like, what Kevin is saying, he's like, okay, well, I've screwed up once, I've screwed up twice, I got kind of, I don't want to say screwed up, but you know, you got sidewinded yeah. mm -hmm. on, on two of them. What could I have done better? And before, the, the term architect, I think, is critical because you don't want to have a system failure. You know, you know, uh, 
you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me kind of situation mm -hmm. where you say, okay, I'm not going to go through this again. So I'm really going to put the values first. I'm going to associate with people that are truly, truly transformational for me. And that's the key word that I want to leave the listeners with is too many times we're transactional. We look at the market, we look at the sales, we look at this, we look at that. That's great business wise. But ultimately, you know, if you want to align with the partner for a transformational, that's going to, the value flow will be so authentic from your product or service to your customers that there's no, there's no Kevin at work and Kevin at home and Kevin at the beach. It's just Kevin, mm -hmm. right? And I think that that is critical to that architecting that business because I'm kind of in the same place. We do this. Like I said, frequently with other people, like where do you stand is is key component uh, to positioning yourself for a future. Yeah, I 100 percent agree. You know, and and it's tough. Uh, you know, at a young, especially entrepreneurs, when you're uh, very green, uh, there's a lot mm -hmm. of articles out there. Everyone's talking about this person sold their company for a billion dollars or hundred million dollars or whatever it is, and they don't talk about, you know, the trials and tribulations that person went through to get there. And, you know, for, um, yeah, it's easy. I guess it's when you're younger, it's really easy to get wrapped up in, like, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. transactional focus on how do I get the biggest exit, raise the most capital. And you don't really necessarily think about building, you know, you're not focused on building the right product that aligns with yourself as well the you know the product doesn't have to align with you perfectly uh, but more so is it something that you're ready to you know put in all your blood sweat and tears to and is it something that you truly believe uh and that's where i think when you believe in it you'll get that authenticity which bleeds through to you know to your members or your customers and comes through in your marketing and especially when building you know if you're you know if you're focusing on b2c uh, authenticity is extremely important to uh, build brand. Oh, it, it, yes, and even B two B. I mean, yeah, I've been it, in. Yeah. You know, oh, I mean, how many times have we had investors that go, "What's you know, what's the ROI?" Blah blah blah. blah. You know, okay, what do you invest in? Like, what do you truly and honestly believe in? You know, we don't. Uh, I don't uh, eat sushi anymore, right? Uh, tuna. I grew up fishing, and my parents lost their revenue because the cods the cod population got depleted and so now i'm not going to participate so i don't have poke i unless it's you know caught by somebody in that i know of personally who wants to share with me don't get me wrong do i love fish absolutely but will i consume you know um harvested um fish or tuna that's not no that's not part of who i am so therefore will not associate with anything of that nature right there's there's one thing that i want to talk about that brought up that i think is kind of associated with this too many times um as john jones out of texas i was talking to too many times we as entrepreneurs the first person that pays in your journey is your partner and then if you have a family then your family pay up what i think is what kevin is doing and regardless if you have family or not, it's the balance. I, I grew up in the 70s and I barely saw my parents. They worked their asses off. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's a place where architecting your life is to say, 
do I want to wait until I retire to be able to spend time with the people that I love, regardless of where you fit in life? And even if it's just with yourself. And then the second component is really, you know, be mindful when you're architecting your business or what you want to do, that there's ebbs and flows. It's not always perfect, as Kevin demonstrated. I'm sure that you said sweat and tears. I'm sure that after your second journey, you're like, oh, shit, I think I, can, I need to get a job. I don't think this is for me. You know, inside of you, I'm sure it was burning. But at one time, like, I'm sure you, you know, two hands on your desk, hands in your face, your face in your hands and going, what the hell am I doing? Yeah, definitely many, many a times. And I kind of learned or phrase I always uh, tell myself, or I learned to tell myself was just trust the process because every, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. the ebbs and flows, and that's exactly what it is. And that's why I mentioned, you know, all the magazines or articles about the people selling their companies for these massive exits, not talking about the, the ebbs and flows along the way. And I think it's really important to trust the process and that your journey is probably not going to go the way that exactly as you have it planned, but you learn and you pivot and you evolve and you kind of trust the process and keep going, you know, you get to the point of, you know, of, you get to where you're meant to be. Like, I think, uh, you know, getting knocked on my butt a few times in my early and mid twenties have made me a much stronger and resilient entrepreneur today. And it, it makes it almost easy to handle the stresses that come along with entrepreneurship, especially over the last two years, you know, cause what I've been, you know, what I've, I'd gone through in the past, you know, makes it very, you're, you're a lot more calm, cool, and collective when you're dealing with uh, high stress situations, uh, just when you've been through it and when you've survived it and come out the other side stronger. It's funny how you say trust the process. Pretty much every entrepreneur that I've interviewed, they always say trust the process, but the first one's to break the process most times. And it's, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. They're like, okay, let's do this. And I was like, okay, hold on. And it's funny because when you're providing advice for somebody else from entrepreneur to entrepreneur, you go trust the process. But when you're, when you're in it, it's so hard to see as much as you believe in it, you're so focused. And I mean, that's why we're in business, right? We, that's what we tell the guys and, and the, men, the men and women who, who get to a point where, well, I, don't know, my, I don't know if my kid's going to take my business or not. Um, I don't, I'm not attractive enough for some large strategic buyers. What do I do? Hey, listen, you're going to be part of a roll-up. You're going to be part of a collaborative approach. You're going to have to relinquish some of the control, but trust the process. You'll mm -hmm. get your company sold to, and then they say, well, I don't know what I want to do next. And I go, Talk to Kevin, go to the beach, spend some time on the surfboard for a little <laughs> bit. That'll get you focused. <laughs> um, I want to bring it back to a lot of people. Now there's a recession coming along. If mm -hmm. not now, a lot of people are saying. Yeah. You said that you were really, it was a, when you did your financing or your rounds, it was quite easy. Talk, talk to us about the process. Why was it easy? What did you do well? What, what were kind of the, were the stars aligned kind of talk? Because a lot of people were kind of always asking me, hey, how is it now compared to what it was before? So how did your journey for, for fundraising go? And tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, fundraising's never easy. <laughs> Definitely uh, hasn't been <laughs> for, uh, was it for this company. We actually, I took a different approach. I, uh, I, uh, self-funded uh, the launch of this company. So okay. I had mentioned I had a previous company that, you know, had went under uh, and we had raised a seed round and, you know, the 
feeling of losing other people's money is, uh, uh, I mean, you hate, you hate losing in general and competitive. So I hate Period, losing a business yeah. and then you hate, you know, losing my money, but also, you know, losing other people's money. So what I decided was when I start my next venture, I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to fund it until we, until I'm confident that we have some product market fit, uh, because the, the other company had more done a traditional seed round where you're, it, was, it was a little while ago. So you were able to raise capital kind of on a business yeah. plan without really any traction. Yeah. So I wanted to get traction first, which is actually nowadays to really do a seed round. You do need traction. Yeah. The seed round is closer to a series A, you know, compared to what it yeah. was, you know, in the mid, you know, about 10, 15 years ago. So, but what I, you know, I, um, I had bought a, uh, a condo back in 2009, uh, during the great recession. And, uh, it just so happened that uh, I got an offer to, I wasn't living there, I was renting out. I got an offer to sell it back around, this was 2015. I was already working on the idea for this business. Mm-hmm. So I took that offer, I sold it, and I took the majority of my profits. And, you know, the timing was kind of divine. I was like, hey, I'm mm-hmm. actually was working on this business. I've got, you know, a great uh, partner out of Hawaii to help launch the brand. And, you know, I just got some money, so let's let's put it in. So uh, I put in the first capital uh, to launch, test, and get some traction. <clears throat> then uh, our first outside capital came from one of our early in, uh, uh, subscribers. Uh, so that was uh, that was wow. really cool. Uh, and he's actually our largest investor to date. So he's an angel investor uh, out of Utah. Uh, very supportive and great, and it's very cool that. Uh, and validating that the first capital came from uh, an out, uh, came from one of our members, and then we ended. We went through an accelerator program on Oahu called Blue Startup. So mm-hmm. they put in a little bit of capital, and while I was out there, I focused on building relationships with a number of angel investors. So following that, I raised I raised additional capital from the Hawaii Angels, uh, and then had done you know had a couple of other uh, people put in uh, some angel investors contribute since then. Uh, so we've actually been able to build the company. We've only raised five hundred thousand and uh, for equity financing, and then we uh, we've been working with a group out of Seattle called Lighter Capital, uh, who does debt uh, revenue based financing. Mm-hmm. So we've been working with them to give us the growth capital, and we've been able to scale the company, uh, kind of using utilizing those two methods. So getting that nice initial base, focusing on unit economics, and uh, and then using, like I said, using the debt for growth. Uh, you know, we are getting ready to raise some additional capital. Uh, so, you know, going into this market uh, will be uh, extremely interesting. But, um, you know, I think if you're patient uh, and you have a good business, there are deals to be made. But valuation expectations are, are where I think it's it's is what's going to be the big factor for a lot of people. So, you know, in SaaS, they were getting 100x ARR multiples not too long, you oh, know, yeah. this last year. Consumer, we never really got those. So I think my evaluation expectations are a little bit more in line. Uh, but that being said, um, yeah, this, you know, this right now, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I think on the valuation, everyone's going to take a hit if you're raising capital right now or in the near future. I, <laughs> a steady horse is a good horse. A steady horse is a, is a horse that finishes the race consistently. Yep. <laughs> yep. And that, that is something that I tell. When we were working, so we sometimes will take accelerators, sometimes we'll, we'll go with mentorship process and they'll come up to us and they'll say, hey, listen, Martin, you know, we've got 90, 90 day run rate, you know, cash flow protection. I said, OK, build that up to at least, 
you know, double that, put it to six months. Well, hold on a second, but that's going to be too long. And then our exit, I was like, whoa, 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 hold your horses. First of all, are you ready? Are you ready to catch that big wave? No, you're not. You don't have the skills. You don't have the capacity. You don't have the knowledge. You don't have a good board. I'm using surfer analogies to the I best like of it. my ability. <laughs> you shoot shoot me down. <laughs> <laughs> no, you right? Well. You didn't use the proper wax, right? So you've got you've not got the right fit. You know, the, the board needs to be a little bit lighter, a little bit heavier. And so hold on a second. Before you do anything with your company, if your company is not healthy, like anything, you want to go walk up on a big adventure. If you're not capable to withstand at least six months of independent work for traction, nobody's going to invest in you. Nobody cares anymore. Unless you demonstrate good traction with good economics, you don't have to go big. There's so many young entrepreneurs that want that big lifestyle right off the bat. Oh, Kevin, I want to be like Kevin. I want to live by the beach. Hold on a sec. Kevin went through some pretty hard-ass things before he got to be there. So don't think it magically appears just because you thought about it. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it, even in raising funds. Definitely. And I think there's been a big shift right now, which is going to be more focused on, you said, as, as building a healthy business. And to be honest, it's it's goes back to you know picking your next wave uh, if you're raising capital. Yeah. As in, who's going to be the right partner? So if someone, you know, thinks that, like, like for example, we pulled back on our growth targets this year, still, you know, targeting healthy growth uh, comparatively for most businesses, but not from what we've seen for the few years. Because I said, hey, you know what? I'm going to sit back. I need to see what the what the heck is going to be happening with the economy and the world uh, that we're living in right now. Uh, so we're gonna, we're still going to grow, but we're going to make it very obtainable, and we're going to focus on people and processes and unit economics. And when I go to raise capital, if an investor doesn't understand that, if they ding me because we didn't grow 100% this year in this economy, they're not the right partner uh, for us. And yeah, it's hard. You know, it's hard to you know. It, I mean, I find myself going back and forth on that because. I mean, I was, I was having some conversations in 2021, 2020, late 2020, and, you know, they, we, we had, uh, grew probably 70% that year. And, um, a VC I was talking to said, Hey, your growth seems a little slow last year. I said, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I was like, we have, you know, we have a good amount of revenue. So also once you, once you have some real revenue continuing at, uh, you know, 300% growth rate becomes a lot harder, but also a lot riskier when you're bootstrapping it, when you have to pay for inventory. And they said, well, everyone oh, in yeah. e crushed it last year. And I'm like, we did too. And we were <laughs> profitable. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, he wanted to ding me because we didn't grow fast enough. And I was like, that guy is not the right partner. Yeah. You know, we didn't understand that, Hey, we saw supply chain issues come in and we have to purchase inventory nine months out. And then I said, Hey, if I place big bets in supply chain, um, you know, supply chain hits happen, which they did, um, you know, it would have put us out of business. So that's, uh, you know, if someone can't understand or, or appreciate someone being a, a smart entrepreneur uh, to run their business and not just purely, purely focus on growth at all costs, they might not be the right partner, uh, especially in an economy like this. It's, you know, it's different at different times when money's, um, you know, when money's being shot out, like out of the fire hose at everybody, but that's not the case now. So it's uh i don't think it's ever going to get back there in all honesty. i don't think it's gonna 
I feel that the world has got a better mindset on a better prosperous mindset. And what I mean by that is you cannot sustain explosive growth continuously. When you're, you know, you make a dollar, you make $2. You make $2, you make $4. It gets to a certain point where the millions to sustain that, the investment, the risk is way too high. Like you mentioned, right? You say, okay, well, if I invest this, it's going to bust it out in the start of uh, how many guys do I know, multimillionaires that have gone close to bankruptcy because they were so overexerted. They had all the money tied up in everything, no cash flow projection. You know, one guy, he had, uh, you know, numerous properties. There's like, okay, so you're not allowed to collect rent for the next six months. And these were like big scale apartments in Mm -hmm. New York and Miami. And so you're like, okay, big guy, you know, um, I drive a very simple car and I put money away. And so the term prosperity for me, as long as you're wealthy for me is as long as you're making more money that you're spending, I'm going to do a shout out to Vessi shoes. The boys, the two gentlemen that are running Vessi shoes are doing it in a way where they've, they're profitable at first purchase, which is, which That's is amazing. huge. Yeah. Very hard to do. Especially uh, you know, nowadays. In clothing, right? So yeah. they, oh, yeah. they've done such a good job of doing that. And you're sitting, I'm sitting around a table of 40 under 40s and a lot of SaaS are out there. And they're like, well, yeah, what? they're talking about Series A and Series B. As a matter of fact, what's your operational excellence mindset? How profitable are you? Where's your target to profitability? Once you're profitable, then you're prosperous. When you've got prosperity model, then you can start growing effectively because now you have money to spend. It's a lot hard to, like you mentioned, I, I feel more people should think like you, Kevin. I was like, hey, I don't want to lose somebody else's money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, maybe it's a generational issue. I don't know. Yeah, or, uh, or maybe people haven't lost other people's money <laughs> yet. Once you do, you know. <laughs> and it's, a, you know, it's probably one thing's a little different when you're losing probably institutional where they, they model it out uh, versus, you know, an yeah. angel. But that being said, still, you know, I mean, Everyone, as an entrepreneur, we're competitive, so we all hate to lose in general. And it just, you know, it doesn't feel good to lose anyone else's money. Yeah. Um, what? So, as you see the future of your business, what's the one thing that I feel you're solid from the conversation where you've got a good growth, you've got good footsteps, you've got a good plan? What's the one thing that you feel is the pros? and the what you're worried about in the near future? Yeah, well, the worries, I'll start there because those are easy right now <laughs> with everything going on. <laughs> um, I mean, the big one is obviously uh, the economy and what's what's mm-hmm. going to happen there and how that's going to affect consumer purchase behavior. But even more so for us, it's, uh, uh, I mean, the way the marketing landscape is changing so quickly is that, you know, your customer acquisition, obviously with the iOS 14 rollouts mm-hmm. and, and then just more and more and more changes, you know, coming down the pipe. Um, yeah, you know, customer acquisition cost is, you know, changes, you know, quarterly or monthly right now with mm-hmm. every time an algorithm's tweaked or, you know, every time there's a, a privacy update. So, you know, that's a big one. It's just you have to heavily adapt on that end and simultaneously, you know, adapting with supply chain too. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, on both ends, usually you're dealing with one at a time. You're dealing with 
oh, there's some supply chain kinks we need to uh, we need to flush out, or oh, you know, here's a couple things going on with related to marketing and customer acquisition that we need to focus on. But right now, it's focusing on both of those, and at the same time, you need to focus on product and retention because obviously with the uh, with inflation and the economy, you're really fighting for wallet share. Uh, so you want to make sure that mm. uh, when you're subscription driven, when someone's up for a, a renewal, that you're, you know, you're giving them the best service and product possible so that they can't bear to think about canceling that membership, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> um, so it's, it's, you know, it's just, you have to be on top of your game uh, from in all areas right now. Uh, so that's, um, but you know, so that's, yeah, those are a few things that keep me up at night, um, but we're up for the challenge. And, you know, if, it's, if this was easy, everybody would do it. And I think the, the good companies are going to make it out stronger and there'll be opportunities for um, for M&A uh, coming out of this. So there's going to be some uh, interesting, but I think exciting times ahead. Um, you know, pros of the business, I think, you know, for us, um, uh, we're at a good size but we're not too big where we can kind of mm -hmm. pivot and adjust the business to match the market conditions fairly quickly. Uh, so that's a, it's a good strength of ours right now. Uh, and just being able to, you know, we are, we are value driven uh, with, you know, it's one of our core value props. Uh, so going again, you know, it's a, it's a nice story to tell about the savings people are, uh, you know, our members are getting uh, when they're working with us. So, you know, it's, um, you know, and of course, just for me, just being able to, be aligned and help connect, connect people with the beach life and other outdoor uh, passions and lifestyles. I'm going to finish off here, technical jargon, because I can talk about hours and hours. Knowing your break even. So Kevin mentioned cost, um, you know, the acquisition. So if you know your break even, then you can just punch in your inflation or whatever key metrics but really understanding the fundamental, where is the break-even line for your product currently and having some variables punch into that so that you're always ready and too few people understand the true value of understanding your break-even. I think that is an understatement in, well, I think inflation is going to be 8% and I think this and I think that and then all of a sudden you've got this spiral of doom that you go, oh shit. <laughs> You know, 1% made a big difference over here. Absolutely. And uh, what I like about Kevin is that as much as, as, as highly entrepreneurial as he seems to be, he's got the heart and mind of an operator. So he's, he's on top of the numbers. He's always flexing. He's always saying, okay, I got a way. And, you know, you're not all rosy, which I absolutely love. There's so many people that are too rosy. And don't have a good operational excellence mindset. Um, so let's talk about final couple few final questions. What's the what's the next step after this? If you're going to orchestrate an architect catching the next wave, what's the next wave for you, Kevin? Yeah. So I mean, with Beachley, we're still riding this wave. It's got a long way to go. Yeah. So that's got <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the focus. You know, the, <laughs> the company. You know, right now we're we're getting ready to raise a little bit of uh, growth capital. And we're going to look to acquire uh, some brands, uh, you know, kind of in over nice. the next two years that we can plug into through to our distribution model. Uh, and then looking at expansion into uh, Australia and the UK as well. Uh, and oh, nice. um, 
uh, and then expanding to other, you know, beyond the beach life to other complementary outdoor verticals. So for us, it's, you know, still riding this way, but expanding it out uh, a lot further, you know, post that we'll see, you know, family, uh, I've got a baby on the way doing January. So we're really excited oh. about that. And, uh, you know, so that's going to be a big uh, change in my life. So obviously, you know, going to continue to architect the business, uh, you know, to match that <laughs> lifestyle, uh, which is very helpful to be, you know, have the house and the office all within one mile of each other. Uh, but, you know, it's a goal for me to um, be present uh, in both, you know, for family and for, for the business and have that healthy uh, work-life balance. And, you know, and then beyond that, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of opportunities and it'll be all about, you know, uh, picking the right wave uh, that we'll, we'll take next. It's funny because one of our partners, he's younger, um, Kevin, who's my COO, he has three kids and I have four kids and, mm-hmm. and uh, Dylan just got one kid and we went out for beers the other day and he's like, how do you guys do it? <laughs> like, will you, will, will I ever sleep again? I'm like, we start laughing. He's like, no, no, no. <laughs> you know why you do a dad nap in the afternoon? That's the reason why you do a daddy nap in the afternoon, my friend. He's like, holy shit. And he was always mornings he liked to be creative in the morning and uh, and then uh we kept saying you, you you'll see it'll change he said no 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 i'm i'm gonna stay i'm gonna be steadfast in my beliefs of getting my stuff done early in the morning and now he's sending emails at 5 a.m in the morning i was like what well, told you <laughs> yeah you're like good luck with that buddy that's not happening <laughs> yeah so i'm uh trying to get mentally prepared for all of that but i'm sure it'll be uh the uh tricky, but great <laughs> The key to success, I think, for a lot of people who I feel are looking to catch the next wave, and one of the comments that I always leave with um, with some of the owners that have had executive assistants in their life, don't be afraid to invest in your life. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to invest the, way, the same way that you help, that you hire people to build your business. Hire people to orchestrate your life as well. That was one of the biggest things that I learned about 15 years back is I was doing, I was coaching rugby, traveling the world, doing all the stuff, and I couldn't keep up with all, and and my friends were being, I want to say let down because I was trying to, and as soon as I got a good EA, we went through a few of them, but when I had a good EA that I paid some decent money to help me run my life, my wave, it was money so well invested. And we cut one trip down a year, travel-wise, mm-hmm. to pay for that person. And the flexibility, the peace that I've got, the employment opportunity that it creates for that person as well. Because at first I was like, I'm not hoity-toity. I'm a blue-collar guy, come from the East Coast. There's no way that I'm getting executive assistant. Who, who do you think you are, Martin Hunter, to think that you're boss <laughs> enough to have NEA? And shit, almighty, man. <laughs> I love it, and that's what I recommend to anybody who is looking to catch the new wave, looking to leave, looking to do something different. Invest in somebody to help you plan that. Uh, a coach is always helpful as well. So, uh, and a good EA, my opinion. So. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice. Think your EA could, uh, if I got an EA, can he or she double as a night nurse for the kid? 
I, you know what, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin has a nanny that does both. I'm onto something. So huh? he has a nanny that you're onto something. He, she, <laughs> she does the nanny, and she plans the family vacations and stuff like that. So I'm not far away, my All friend. Right. Not far I'm away. Gonna have to try that out. <laughs> Damn, let's there's a business idea right there. Yep. <laughs> there's a business idea. <laughs> You're an EA and a nanny at the same time. Shit. Okay, let's put that on the not to do list. Uh, <laughs> what is the I asked I asked all my guests, what is the one reference, the book, the saying, the movie that you always refer back to? Something that has touched you for a long time or in the near that you go, wow, this, this book I rely on because it's saved me many times or it's changed my life. Book, movie, whatever you feel is, is the right thing. So a coach. Yeah. Let's see. Um, my favorite book, uh, you're kind of related to business entrepreneurship is the hard things about the hard things. And what I like about it is it's, re it's very real uh, and it gives extremely you know, because real circumstances, uh, you know, about the decisions you have to make as a CEO and, and an entrepreneur when mm -hmm. running your business. And it's not all about the rosy ones. It's actually most focused about the more challenging ones. And a lot of the books out there are more meant to be motivating or when they're ones you learn from are very, you know, high, high level. Uh, so that's, um, you know, that's, that's one I highly recommend, uh, one of my favorite books. And then as far as my quote, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs refer to, uh, the, the man in the arena quote is always one that I have mm. hanging in my, uh, my office at home. So I kind of check that one, uh, in the morning on the way out and just kind of the one part of the, you know, just kind of reminding myself, like you're choosing like courage over comfort, uh, you know, every day. And, uh, and it's better to have, you know, given it your all then you know not have done it at all yeah um the salutation uh for me sun salutation ode to the dawn you know uh every day is a is a vision of hope and a memory of happiness is something that i tell myself every day as well i like to get up with the sun mm -hmm. and there's so many things that uh it, it's funny because i came across all these books of late and I always tell the people that I work with, wax on, wax off. I grew up with the Karate Kid, <laughs> right? And they're like, did you take that from Chop Wood, Carry Water? I was like, what? That's a book. I was like, Chop Wood, Carry Water. That sounds like wax on, wax off. <laughs> it is, yeah, actually, right? it it is actually a book. <laughs> and it's based on the, on the similar kind of mindset of do, do every single day. If you want to really architect your life and catch the next wave, well, you got to have the feet in your water. You got to be on the board. You got to be in the ocean. You have to be in the mindset. You have to be calm. You have to know that everything on the beach is going. There's so many things attached to that. That for me, if you're not in a cool kind of mindset, you can't, you can't understand and can't really relate to being able to really pick that one that's going to make you feel 100% alive, right? Yeah, I love it. Very well said. You sure you haven't surfed Look before? At that. You're doing pretty well with never, uh... dude. <laughs> <laughs> I am five foot eight when I wear boots, and I'm. I, it's easier to go, you know, over me than around me. I'm 250 pounds, rock solid rugby player for most of my life. So, <laughs> uh, on the board, I, the board just goes submarine. <laughs> well, 
problem. Come to San Diego. We'll get you a big, big longboard. Uh, with the right coaches, I'm sure with the right <laughs> coaches, I'd be able to do it. Uh, well, Kevin, thank you very much for being on the show today, my friend. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. It was a fun conversation. Fabulous. With that being said, my name is Martin Hunter. I'm the host of What CEOs Talk About, where we translate strategy into frontline operations. Please like, subscribe, click the notification bell to know when the next episode's coming up. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to What CEOs Talk About. Make sure to click subscribe to get notified about future episodes or check us out at www.whatceostalkabout.com.